This is Wait, What? Politics with Zuma and Steele. Wait, What? is your political recap. We'll tell you who's making news and what it means to liberals and progressives everywhere. And we'll interview the newsmakers that make it happen. So from the nation's capital, here's reporter Jimmy Zuma. And from the great state of Arizona, here's Senator Victoria Steele. Hi, and welcome to another Wait What? Politics with Zuma and Steele. I'm Jimmy Zuma in Washington, D.C. And I'm Victoria Steele in Tucson, Arizona. And today's episode is sponsored by Economic and Human Development Research Associates. And Jimmy, I really can't wait to start talking about politics today. Did you watch that debate? <laughs> I watched all three hours and plus of it, every well, so little bit. I went over my to my fell mom asleep. and dad. <laughs> I went to my mom and dad's. And so we're all sitting there, we're watching it. And, you know, just as we're getting started, mom's saying, so is it going to be three hours this time? And I said, yeah, I think it might. I really don't know, mom. And she says, okay. And I said, it's 12 people on stage, so maybe it'll be two hours, but I don't know how they'll do it in two hours, maybe three. She must have asked me four times in the process of watching that debate in the first two hours, do you think it's going to be three hours? So finally, at about two hours in, she said, I think it's going to be three hours. And she did not look pleased. <laughs> so about about that point, I picked up my stuff and went home and, and said, you guys can go to bed now. I kind of wanted to go to bed too, but I'm glad I didn't. I came home and, and watched it at home. But it was, um, oh my God, fourth debate in Ohio, 12 Otterbein people. College. Yes, 12 people on that stage. And um, what do you think? Were there any clear-cut winners? Well, you know, I've thought a lot about this, and I feel differently than I did last night. Um, waking up this morning and thinking about it, I have to say I think Bernie Sanders was the big winner last night. And, um, you know, I think he gave a great debate performance. He was uh, healthy-looking and spry and for the first time I've ever seen him in his life, was kind of joking. Um, yeah, I know. He apparently, didn't look his, mean. apparently, his surgery worked really well. And um, <laughs> between that and his ability to announce the next day that he's going to receive the endorsement of uh, popular Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. That make anybody feel better. Popular, but she's mega popular with young people. Yeah, I think he's going to get a five point. Um, bump out of this debate. And that basically puts him back in the, the race goes from top two to which was what it was looking like to top three again. So I think he was the big winner. What do you think? I don't think there was a clear big winner, but after sort of sorting through it all and reading everything and remembering everything, I would say you're probably right. If there was a winner, it had to be Bernie Sanders. Um, and I think the reason was I was expecting there would be this, this sort of a like a pity vote, but there wasn't, <clears throat> not really. Um, but what Bernie showed, I was afraid he was going to come out and be even more, you know, yeah, you better get off my lawn type of thing. But he wasn't. Um, he, I, 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 the Washington Post put it, Bernie Sanders showed his power and his heart. 
So he had a heart attack and he got his heart because he, he looked more pleasant. He looked more relaxed. Um, I'm going to say, you know, and I'm going to go out on a limb here because I haven't talked to Bernie. I don't know. But I think one of the things that might have happened is when he realized that what he was doing was not working and was probably going to kill him if he continued the same way, he woke up. And when mm-hmm. something like that, that big earth-shattering thing, a heart attack could do it, 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 it tells you you got to change something. And it puts into focus really quickly, really clearly what's important. That's what I saw in Bernie last night. I saw somebody who was seeing what's important. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned his heart because, you know, I was left thinking, did they give him a new heart? (laughs) But, you know, perhaps what happened was he had that lifestyle conversation with the hospital social worker that you always get after you have an unhealthy lifestyle. And it made him think about some things. I don't know. He looked terrific. You know, he's not my guy. I've never been a fan of Bernie Sanders, uh, but I have to say he looked terrific last night. And that was after looking terrible prior to his diagnosis of a heart attack. Yeah. I mean, you and I were in a previous show talking about how it looked like he was going to stroke out. You know, Bernie, come on, dude, chill. This is, you know, you're going to do yourself in. And he almost did. And he lost eight points after that. He was down to 11 points mm-hmm. at the lowest. We'll see what happens now. But that's kind of where he went into the debate at, yeah. at barely more than one in 10 people. Well, one of, my, one of my favorite moments of the night last night was when Bernie and um, Joe Biden, I don't even remember what happened, but they, they were sort of joking and friendly. And, and Joe said, I didn't mean I wasn't saying and and Bernie goes I know I know I know and and it was it was cute it was yes. it was cute it was sweet and are I you just calling like, me Vladimir Putin that's what I, that's that what was that was what it was, was. He goes, no no I, I that's not what I meant is I know I know and but it was really a a sweet thing it yes. it was to me it was a moment but it was a powerful moment it wasn't planned you don't plan things like that that came off as real so yeah I liked that. And he even made Joe look good. Yeah. I still don't want him to um, be the candidate, but I think he's more likely to be the candidate now than he was two weeks ago. And uh, for that, he gets the big winner award from uh, Jimmy Zuma. Um, you know, other folks, though, did a good job. Who do, you, who do you think, you know, what about our favorite Elizabeth Warren? I thought she was great. Uh, here's why. You know, she's leading in the polls. And she knew that she was going to be targeted, just like we knew that Joe Biden was going to be targeted a few weeks ago. Um, we knew that that Elizabeth was, and she was ready, and she was well prepared. Um, it did last night's debate show up a few of her vulnerabilities? Yes, yes, I think she's um, her big healthcare policy is great. Um, but the, you know damn well that the minute she says she's going to have to raise taxes to pay for it, that will cost her. Well, and it is to, to some degree, she's right about it being a soundbite. She, if she said, yes, your taxes will go up, but your costs will go down more, um, that would be correct. That would be what's going to happen. But if she said that, they'd just slice it off at, yes, your costs will go, your taxes will go up. Yes. That would be the Republican commercial. 
that's exactly what they're going to do. The thing, you know, and the other thing is, I don't think people are, not everybody is smart enough to make the connection that you're just changing how you pay for healthcare and getting a better system for less cost. You're not getting free healthcare, you know? It has to come from somewhere. The cost has to come from somewhere. And like every other country, it needs to come from uh, a tax increase. But that tax increase, here's what that buys you. It, you lose your insurance company in her plan. But what you gain is access to every doctor in the country, access to every hospital in the country. And you can't be kicked off. You can't be kicked off. And you have access to every treatment at every hospital in the country. So to me, getting rid of your insurance company, which frankly everybody hates, and gaining yeah. access to every doctor, every hospital, and every treatment is a great trade-off. I think so too. But the minute she says, yes, your taxes will go up, she will be just trounced. Right. She will be trounced because people don't want to think beyond a soundbite. Her job is a way to, you know, a way to figure out how to say it. And I think my way of saying it is, yeah, you lose your health care, but you gain all the doctors, all the hospitals, and all the treatments is the way to say that. Yeah. And she she had a good comeback. She had a good answer to it. Right. It wasn't the answer that her competitors wanted her to say. They mm -hmm. all were dying to get her to say, yes, we will have to raise taxes. And they will. You know it. I know it. She knows it. Everybody knows it. But they they just were unrelenting in their attacking of her last night. They found ways to to attack her. And, and Tulsi Gabbard was the worst. Oh, my God. She <laughs> turned into, it's like, hey, Tulsi, you're not the moderator. Stop right. asking her questions. Stop attacking her like that. Let the moderators ask the questions. Stop it. This is not your job. Go home. Tulsi thought she was being clever at that moment, but yeah. I think that really what she proved last night is, is what's been true for a long time. She's a crummy Democrat. She's not really a Democrat. Uh, she's not really a member of the party. You know, she was involved with Bernie Sanders in that attempted coup of the DNC during the last election cycle, for which I will never vote for her for even dog catcher. Um, but tonight, you know, she was perfectly happy to repeat all the Republican talking points. Yeah. She was perfectly happy that Trump ditched the uh, Kurds. She was okay with that because, you know, we have to leave sometime. But that's not the problem. The problem is not that we have to leave sometime. The problem is we left with no notice, no planning, no counsel with either the Kurds or our military leaders because Trump made a deal with Erdogan. And who knows what the deal was? I, my theory is Erdogan said, called him up and said, hey, Don, I'll investigate Joe Biden, but I need a little favor. And I'll bet it was something as petty and venal as that. Or I'll let you build another hotel. Yeah. So she was all night long. She was the spokesman for the Republican Party. I thought their attack lines that don't have merit. She said them. And I was yeah. kind of surprised how some of the other candidates were willing to uh, echo those Republican talking points. And it's sickening. And I really I am seeing a lot of people say that they thought Pete Buttigieg did a really good job. I don't. I, I did not like him and I did not like Klobuchar. So Amy Klobuchar and Pete, Pete Buttigieg, you guys can go home as far as I'm concerned. I right. did not like them. I thought they were mean. I thought they were nasty. I thought that I, and I'm pretty sure that Klobuchar is a closet Republican. 
<laughs> I call them the snotty moderates. Oh, you know, God. they're so she's doing the thing that she's accusing everybody else doing of having yes. confidence in their ideas. And and frankly, this is not a time for compromise. We are not in a time for compromise. Mm-mm. What's the compromise between us and racists? You know, what's the compromise between us and people who don't believe women should be equal under the law? What's the compromise between the haves and the have nots? There are no compromises here. You know, this is a time to fight. It really is. In my opinion, the moderates like, like Buttigieg and um, Klobuchar actually showed more about how determined they are to stick to the status quo. And I would even say Joe Biden is with them. I, I just think that they, they, they don't want to take any big steps. And we need some big changes. We need some really big changes. The country is ready for this. We can do this. Now is the time. These don't have to be crazy steps. And Elizabeth Warren's plans and Bernie's plans, they really do have some good plans. But you know, attacking this, uh, the, the healthcare thing was just, it was ridiculous. But here's, here's the thing with Warren and her being attacked. Mm-hmm. She talked the most last night with 23.1 minutes. Everybody else got like 16.6 minutes for Biden, 13 for Klobuchar. She talked for 23.1 minutes. So every time they attacked her, that put her Face on the screen. That put her ideas right out there. And yes, they were attacking her, but she was ready. She had great answers. She did not destroy anything that she's built to this point. Do we see some vulnerabilities? Yes, those can be overcome. She needs to stay the course. She's doing great. And she dominated the the whole show. She dominated the conversation. The only uh, potential points that she will lose in the polling now is the ones who go back to Bernie, who left Bernie because he wasn't healthy and they go back to him. But she didn't do anything to embarrass herself. She didn't do anything to embarrass the party. Yeah. I think people like Klobuchar and Biden are, you know, running a typical playbook where you say, well, we all have to get together and come together and compromise. And that's a typical playbook from the 80s. And it's not right for this time. I mean, that's how Bill Clinton won. You know, he won by triangulating. And I think that they are politicians from another time or another, in a Klobuchar's place, maybe another place. Um, but they're not right for this time. And, you know, at one point during the debate, you were texting me and you were saying, she needs to go. He needs to go. She needs to go. He needs to go. Who's left? <laughs> yeah. And, 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 I do think Cory Booker is so handsome. I have a crush. You you said it. You said it last night. You 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 said you've got a crush. Somebody's got a crush on on uh, Cory Booker. I was like, yes, yes. But that's okay. <laughs> I wasn't going to mention that part of the text conversation. He's still not my pick. My pick is Elizabeth Warren. Um, one thing that I think might have and should have hurt. Joe Biden was when he started yelling at Elizabeth Warren. 
taking is saying that that she doesn't she never accomplished anything big and taking credit for the one big thing that she really did he was taking credit for it and he was screaming at her and he was he was pointing his finger at her and and you know i mean I know he was frustrated going into this debate. He was frustrated, but I don't care. What he looked like was an abusive husband. He looked abusive. He would never have talked that way to another man on that stage. Mm -hmm. I, I, you might be right about that. You might be right about that. And, and of course, he wanted to take, he was trying to take credit for her work. And then he mansplained. That's like an abusive boss. Yes. He was an abusive boss, you know, yeah. <laughs> from that perspective. Mansplaining, it, it looked abusive. It sounded and felt abusive. I did not like it at all. It made me feel fear. For just a second, I felt the fear. And I think there are too many people, particularly women, who are going to see that and go, oh, that was really not smart, Mr. Biden. Not smart at all. Right. In the best case, he didn't do anything to help himself last night. In the best case, yeah. In the best case, he didn't do anything to help himself. He did not have a great night. I, you know, I thought that uh, Cory Booker had a great night. He had a lot of good lines. He could just stand up there and smile, and I'm okay. <laughs> this debate was so ridiculously long-winded and complicated and full of... Um, you know, it's like three people with a bunch of gnats circling around. Yeah. And I like some of the gnats. And I think some of the gnats have a great future. And one of the gnats, I'd like to be president. But at this point, that ain't going to happen. It's time for the gnats to step aside. So who do you think lost last night? Who do you think were the two worst that, that you do not think, will, you know, regardless of whether you like them or not, you do not think that they will come back? Tulsi Gabbard was the Marianne Williams of the night. Yeah, no, no. Marianne Williams is nice. Tulsi Gabbard's was not nice. And it's not that a woman has to be nice. <laughs> Let me just say that. But she was mean. Yeah, I think in the sense that she was totally out of tune with the rest of the group, which she certainly was, you know. And, you know, this is a, a person who has had a contrarian view on foreign policy for a long time. Her contrarian, and I like contrarians, but hers just doesn't make sense to me. Right, it doesn't. You know, defending Trump's uh, abandoning the Kurds to genocide is not a democratic value. No, and she got attacked for that last night. Yeah. She got well, attacked she for it. Yeah, 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 and appropriately I so. I think uh, by Pete Buttigieg, he said, I mean, with all due respect, you're totally wrong. Yeah. And we haven't talked about Tom Steyer yet. I don't think Tom Steyer... <laughs> 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 he could go away too. I don't think he did himself any favors last night. I think he, you know, came across as a personable person, but I don't think he showed any particular gravitas or qualifications for the office of president of the United States. So I would call him one of the big losers. I think he is a white, wealthy man who mm. um, thought he could buy the election. And I think a large part of getting elected is building a relationship with the constituents. Right. And that's not happening here. That's not the way the wealthy of our country do. I mean, they, in general, wealthy people don't like mixing with common people. And I think to some degree, that's his strategy has been to lead 
common people, but not to meet common people, not to hear their views. And, and I think it showed in his debate performance. Yes. Um, anybody else you don't like? You don't like anybody uh, except Yang. for Yang. handsome Cory Booker no, Yang, and like. talented Elizabeth Warren. No. Oh, Andrew Yang. You know, the, the problem with Andrew Yang is he's basically right about automation and how it's going to change this country. But it's totally lost in his, you know, smarmy, smart ass act. Yeah. I just, he's, he's just like totally, totally out of touch with, with human beings. I'm right, just like, right. whoa, dude. What's with you? I don't. I don't. And like he has him. he has that I'm smarter than you persona, which oh God, is actually yeah. quite popular in the tech industry. Yeah, but doesn't play well to me. Right. In the world, you know, he's the Zuckerberg candidate. What did you think of Kamala Harris last night? I wish she could have broken out. I wish she could have broken me out. Too. I think she got totally lost. I think she's basically done at this point. I don't think she's going to turn her fortunes around. She's also in the running to be someone's vice president, uh, which she'd be great. You know, Elizabeth Warren, I'd like an Elizabeth Warren Kamala Harris ticket, but uh, I think we're more likely to see a, a Warren Booker ticket. You know, yeah. more likely to see a Biden Buttigieg ticket. Yeah, yeah. Um, or somebody completely different, you know. Yeah. But these people bring constituencies now. You know, Buttigieg has a constituency that he brings to the ticket. So that makes mm -hmm. him a popular choice for vice president. And I think one day he will be president because I think he's learning his craft and he has the potential to do really well. Buttigieg, he doesn't appeal to me. I just wanted to yell. I wanted to yell at, at, at Amy Klobuchar last night. It was just like, oh, stop it. Stop it. Stop it with your Republican talking points. This is ridiculous. And she accused Elizabeth Warren of using Republican talking points. I was like, what? Is that the kettle calling the pot black or what? That was just ridiculous. It was so ironic for her to do that because that's the same reaction I had. Well, you're doing what you're accusing her of doing. Yeah. Which is totally Trumpian. <laughs> yes, exactly. You know? I, you know, I think that she's hoping that she can have a turnaround and win Ohio with this rhetoric, but I don't even think Ohio's in the mood to compromise at this point. I don't think any Democrats, not all Democrats are liberals or progressives. Some are moderate, but I don't think anybody is in the mood to compromise right now. We're just in the mood to win. Yes. I don't think we're in the mood for compromise and I do not think we're in the mood to keep things as they are. And that is what Amy Klobuchar is all about. Right. So that's pretty much, I think, our debate wrap-up. you have anything else? Yes, yes. I, want, I wanted to ask your opinion on um, uh, Beto O'Rourke and uh, Julian Castro. So we didn't talk about yeah. them. You know, I think the same thing I thought of them before. I think they're both also Rands at this point. Mm -hmm. You know, talented guys, good people. Julian Castro has never been able to catch fire. You know, he was originally slated long before 2016 to be Hillary Clinton's VP pick. Um, and he did just didn't, couldn't, couldn't bring it across the finish line then, even though, you know, Barack Obama gave him a national experience job specifically for that so that he would be prepared to be the vice president in the next presidential election. What about Beto? He just gets lost in the shuffle. Yeah. You know, he's too much like personality wise and appearance wise. He's too much like Pete Buttigieg. Tom Steyer, he's got to go. 
Right. Who did I say had to go? I had a long list of people. Oh, it was pretty much everybody. By yeah. the end of the list, it was pretty much everybody. <laughs> I think we you went through a long, you know, five in a row, and then you, you <laughs> waited like one minute, and then you got the rest of them. <laughs> <laughs> went, yeah, and him too, and her. Yeah. And she's oh, yeah, right. a loser. Out of here. Out of here. <laughs> and I, I totally agree with you. <laughs> Well, that's our that's our opinions about the debate. We'd yes. love to hear yours. And we will be right back with more about the impeachment inquiry. What if we as human beings on this planet were able to create jobs and prosperity by going green? That is by being economically and environmentally wiser in our use of energy and resources. Could it be done? Why, yes. That's what our friends at Economic and Human Dimensions Research Associates specialize in. Whether for the World Bank, European nations, or for states and counties here in the U.S., they specialize in assessing and promoting ways to increase local jobs and prosperity through greater energy and resource productivity. Contact Economic and Human Dimensions Research Associates at theresourceimperative.com. All one word, the resourceimperative.com. Another big story that we've been following is uh, the uh, details in the impeachment inquiry. It's really heated up now, and a lot's happening. A lot of State Department employees are defecting. Uh, we've seen, I think, incredible progress in, in the congressional uh, inquiry. Uh, you know, one of the thing that hap- things that was a shocker that happened this week was that three associates, maybe four, associates of Rudy Giuliani got arrested this week. There was a big shocker a few days ago when um, Lev Parnas and Igor Fruman uh, got arrested uh, on on a one-way ticket trying to leave the country. Uh, Turns out they had just had dinner with Rudy Giuliani the day before and that Rudy Giuliani was flying out um, to the same town the day after. That was very interesting. And then uh, just today. And then Andre Kakushkin was arrested in San Francisco. He was the third conspirator in this indictment. This indictment was about money. It wasn't about the Ukraine scandal particularly, but it was about laundering money for Donald Trump's campaign and his, his uh, associated super PACs. Laundering uh, Russian, Ukrainian money. I don't know where the money came from, but the purpose of it was to funnel it through these guys to be given to Trump-affiliated super PACs. Uh, and then a fourth guy, I don't know if he's also of a Ukrainian background, um, David Coria was, uh, was arrested in New York just today. So, Wow, this thing is growing by the minute. Now, why that's important is in terms of the Ukraine conspiracy, there are eight people who are directly involved in it. And four of those people were the four people that just got arrested for money laundering. The other four people, and I call them the level one conspirators Mm -hmm. in the Ukraine conspiracy, these four guys, plus Donald Trump, Rudy Giuliani, Mick Mulvaney, the White House chief of staff, and Gordon Sunderland, the U.S. ambassador to the EU, uh, but not Ukraine. He was the guy, Gordon Sunderland was the guy who was involved in the text message interchange, and then he said, well, maybe we better take this off texts. And then he went away <laughs> for five hours and he came back and said, there was no, no, you know, dirty dealing, no collusion uh, to and, get to, to get Joe Biden. And I heard later that he said that um, Donald Trump 
told him to text that. Told him what to say. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what he's going to testify to this week. So those are the eight level one conspirators. And there's also level two conspirators. And the level two conspirators are people we don't know just how deep they were in it. And they include VP Mike Pence, who may be knee deep in this whole thing. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, who was certainly not pleased with the shadow activities going on. And AG Bill Barr, which to me seems like another guy who's all in, but we don't know it yet. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm calling these eight guys the Department of Trump. And they are a shadow government within the government, um, a department tasked with benefiting Donald Trump, whether by laundering money to give to him or by trying to foment a conspiracy in the Ukraine regarding Joe, uh, Joe Biden. Um, these are the eight people that are at the center of the Ukrainian conspiracy now being investigated uh, for, for probable impeachment by uh, the House of Representatives. And, you know, this week was a big week for this. Fiona Hill, oh, yeah. um, she was the White House's chief Russia, chief Russia advisor, and she's a career diplomat. She was the, um, as I said, the top Russia advisor, and um, she was very concerned about what she saw and what John Bolton saw. John Bolton told her to go to the, the White House um, um, attorney's office and, uh, and tell them, what she had been asked to do and what she had witnessed. And she apparently witnessed a lot of the dirty dealings. Now, that's probably why she testified for 10 hours wow. before the House of Representatives in closed session. 10 hours. So have you heard anything about what was said in there? Because I have not. A few things, you know. Um, and, and I should point out, she's been in six administrations. She's not a Trump loyalist. Um, but she said the National Security Council was largely in the dark about the uh, activities of what I'm calling the Department of Trump, uh, led by Donald Trump and Rudy Giuliani. She also was able to document over her 10-hour testimony a lot of dirty dealings that we haven't heard about. But she was either in the room or privy to or learned about the results of a lot of the dirty dealing stuff that was going on in the Ukraine uh, to benefit Donald Trump. Mm. Um, also this week, uh, Sam Kislin, uh, who is an associate of Giuliani, it's basically a co-conspirator in some of Giuliani's shenanigans, uh, is scheduled for a closed-door deposition, I think, today. George Kent, another guy who was the Assistant Secretary of State for Europe and Eurasia, a career diplomat, um, he's scheduled to appear for a closed-door deposition he was involved at the State Department, served in Ukraine for three years, and um, he apparently has a lot of information about the shenanigans of Mike Pompeo. Okay. And that's what he'll be talking about. So that's the, next. That's what's yeah. coming up tomorrow? The, um, that's today. That's today. It's happening today. All yeah. Right. And the, what's happening the, tomorrow? Um, Who's well, being, is that, is that some, Sunland? Gordon Sondland, who is the United States ambassador to the European Union, which, by the way, doesn't include Ukraine. Uh, Sondland is one of the four U.S. members of the Department of Trump, uh, the key conspirators that I listed before. Um, he has decided to testify. Now, I don't know if that means he's going to roll over. Um, the, the administration um, 
decided to block him from testifying, but when he was subpoenaed, he decided to come in anyway. Mm -hmm. Now, if he goes in there and tells the truth, it could be pivotal to the investigation because he was knee deep in the conspiracy. He was the guy calling Donald Trump to get instructions about how to handle opposition from inside the state department and basically panic inside the state department about what Trump was up to. Now, didn't the white house, didn't Trump tell them that they cannot both Hill and Sunland that they just, just refuse to allow them to testify. Right. And it's not just them. It's other people we know. They have uh, barred them from testifying. But they're doing it anyway. And they're testifying anyway. And it seems like there's going to be a parade of State Department employees who are now going to come forward now that this logjam has been broken and people are refusing to follow Trump's orders. Uh, there's going to be a um, parade of State Department officials coming through now to provide additional information about this. Interesting. Now, what Sondland plans to testify about if nothing else, is that what you mentioned before, that the emails, the texts that were um, that went back and forth and that included his, uh, his idea that they should take it off a text and talk about it on the phone, where um, his final response five hours later was dictated to him by Donald Trump, and he doesn't know if it's true or not. So he may be using that as an avenue to try and uh, extract himself from the conspiracy, but he was knee deep in it the whole time. That's odd. Things are changing quickly in this story, so and it just looks worse and worse for Donald Trump. Right. And Rudy Giuliani's, um, you know, all of our suspicions are now is that Rudy Giuliani is an unnamed co conspirator in this uh, Ukrainian money laundering, Ukrainian money laundering thing. And he will be indicted soon on that. That's kind of what the scuttlebutt is from um, SDNY, who are conducting this investigation, I think, without the prior approval of William Barr. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. People are really taking, finally. This is, this is the, They decided to do it because they're patriots. This is the first time that I've seen people be willing to, to buck the administration. Mm-hmm. That Trump administration, you know, it's normal, <laughs> right? It's normal for other administrations, for critics to go testify before Congress. Yeah. And it's normal for other administrations to let them do it because they basically usually have nothing to hide. Mm -hmm. um, but these are the first, these are the first cracks in the wall. And, and, and as I've said before, this parallels what happened um, in Nixon times. In Nixon times, there were stalling, 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 and then a flood of information and then a resignation. And I think we're, you know, one step closer. If we have a, a countdown to Trump impeachment, we'll move it up 10 minutes. <laughs> you know, I just, we'll move it I up. just, you know, I, I don't think we're going to see a peaceful transition. I don't think it'll be peaceful. I think Trump will, will pull the pin out of a grenade. He is mm -hmm. not going peacefully. Something huge will happen. Well, I hope that that's not true, but um, there's at least a 50-50 likelihood that that is true. Uh, I'm hoping that when they do, when the senators do go up to the White House and tell him he needs to resign because he doesn't have the votes, they will be able to manage that. Um, they'll probably offer him um, you know, a pardon, which I don't think is right. 
I don't well, think it's right to pardon Trump, but they'll probably offer him a pardon. And maybe in exchange for the pardon, he'll leave quietly. Well, here's one thing that was brought up in the debate last night, and I couldn't agree with it more. Because of him pulling the U.S. troops out of Syria and allowing Turkey to go in and slaughter the Kurds, what has happened has also been the release of ISIS terrorists. Right. And he knew a that, that would happen. A thousand. A thousand terrorists and, and they, their families have now escaped from jail. They will now be coming. Where do you think they're going to go? Right. Well, Trump thinks here. they're going to go to Europe and, you know, tough beans for Europe. No, I mean, <laughs> He's bragging about the idea that they're just going to go to Europe and bother them. Really? They can't hop on a plane. They can't right. run a plane into a, a tall, tall building. Seriously. Obviously, he's not right at all. Trump does, you know, usually Trump doesn't know what he's talking about, but he really doesn't know what he's talking about here. Trump said today, here's an interesting sideline. Trump said today, and I said it twice. I thought it was remarkable. He said that the reason the Soviet Union is only Russia now is because they invaded Afghanistan. Huh? Yeah. Wrong on so many levels, you know. <laughs> so he's saying that uh, the Cold War ended because Russia invaded Afghanistan and that was a mistake. I don't think that works for the timeline. I don't think that works for the Republican well, he uh, makes up mythology history. about Ronald Reagan. Yeah. I mean, I, there's just no way that turns into a historical fact. Yeah. He makes up history and he repeats it and his base loves it. and And he loves it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. But this is looking more and more interesting every day, every right. single day. So we're going to come back real soon with the next installation. Um, are we done yet? I didn't. <laughs> I was well, ending I the show and I was like, not expected, sure if you were ready. You know, another week is going to go by and about a million more things are going to happen. So yeah. check back here with us at wait, what politics with zoom and steel, because you can bet it'll be another action packed show. That's right. And we will be on top of it. Thank you, Jimmy. Thank you for joining us for the show today, everybody. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, that's it for today's show. If you find yourself saying, wait, what? Don't worry, we'll be back next week. Subscribe to Wait, What? Politics with Zuma and Steel on your favorite podcast app or visit waitwhat.media and try out our quick takes. So here's the thing, commentary from Victoria Steele and the ZOP topical explainers from Jimmy Zuma. I'm Monica Price. 